welcome to another exciting podcast from Sydney Life Church. And now, here's Pastor Tom Ingalls. We'll go straight into the sermon and then we'll do some stuff at the end. Maybe we'll pray for some stuff at the end. Praise the Lord. I sent to you um, a, um, on Family Matters uh, prayer. We're going to look at, we're going to continue with prayer because we're building up for prayer um, in February. So I said there, um, prayer will take you places that effort can never take you. That's really, really important. See, the, 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 old, the, old, uh, the old timers, you know, in years that's gone, gone before us, they knew the secret. The church at the moment is very much effort-focused and effort and program-orientated. The church before was not much like that. In fact, if you look at the early uh, church in the book of Acts, they were not in any way like that. You might say, well, it's because they didn't know how to do it. They knew how to do stuff because the, the freshness of the Holy Spirit was leading them and guiding them. See, the Holy Spirit was such a revelation and a reality to the early church that whatever they did, just it, it happened because he was such a reality. We're in a place right now, the church at large, where the Holy Spirit is not a reality to a lot of us. In fact, a lot of us don't even, not here, but we don't even want to talk about them. We're almost embarrassed. We've, uh, we've put the Holy Spirit, I put this in, in my book, we've, we've put the Holy Spirit under house arrest in his own church. That's crazy. That's why we, can, we, we need to worship the way we want to worship and not feel embarrassed that we're going too long or we're doing this. or We're, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to do it as we feel led by the Spirit. Amen. And so <clears throat> the, church, the church needs, we need more of the Holy Ghost than ever before. Guys, we need the Holy Ghost more than ever before. And see, the early church knew that, so they prayed. They knew there was a connection between the Holy Ghost and prayer. In fact, they just prayed until He came. Amen? And the Holy Ghost responded to that prayer. So there's a real, there's some some connection here that we have to watch and we have to implement. But I want to talk a little bit about momentum. The momentum of the Spirit, the momentum that lies within your spirit. Each of you have a, an incredible momentum. In the natural, momentum in, in scientific terms, secular terms. Momentum is mass times velocity. So you know when a, when a car goes downhill, you let the handbrake off, it's got a lot of momentum. It just goes, right? Because there's mass and there's velocity. So it picks up speed. You go uphill, you let the handbrake off, and it doesn't go the same route, right? It goes, but it goes backwards. But that was a bad analogy. You know what I'm saying. So momentum in the natural is mass times velocity. In the spirit realm, we, we, we can define momentum in the natural because it's easy to see. You know, and in fact, what we do a lot of the time is we say, well, that church has got momentum or that, that person's got momentum because we see a lot of activity. So we, we classify that as success because we think, wow, look at the momentum. But that doesn't necessarily spiritually tell us what spiritual momentum is. Spiritual momentum is something that is contained within each one of you, but it's unseen. Most of the time it's unseen. And a lot, a lot of the time it is not operational until you need it. But when you need it and you know how to release it, things will start to happen. Does that make sense? Okay, go, go to your Bible and to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll start there. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Hallelujah. There is so much inside you, it is absolutely mind-blowing. 
what God has already, already deposited inside you. Now, we're talking in terms of momentum, we're talking in terms of prayer, but we'll start here. It says in Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21, it says there, familiar portion of Scripture, and it says now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So there's power working in you. Amen? According to the power that works in us. Let me read to you from the Amplified. We'll get this in context here. This is part of the mystery of God, the appreciation of the mystery of God. So this is a mystery. When you put it in context here, we pull out that scripture and we say, what is the context for the scripture? He's talking about the mystery. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the incredible thing that has taken place because you and I believe Jesus is Lord and we, we accepted him into our lives. And so the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came into our lives and started duplicating the life of Christ in you. So there's an energy, there's a spirit, there's a momentum inside each one of us who've asked Jesus to become Lord. Whether you know it or not, it is there. Amen. In the Amplified Bible, he puts it so wonderfully. He says, now to him who's able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all that we could ask or think infinitely, infinitely, that's, that's powerful, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, our hopes, our dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. And he, he says that it is basically there to fulfill his purpose. Amen. Now, a lot of the times we'd think of that in terms of purpose. We would say, well, that is maybe to make me a great preacher or a great teacher or a great, what, a great businessman, in, all under the banner in Christ, etc. But it's actually a lot more than that. It, the, the foundation of Scripture like that is to make you more like Christ. So the power within you is continually working to make you more like Jesus. That's, that, is the, that is God's priority in your life. It is not for you to be some superstar. To release power or prophecy or healing. or That's all part of it. But what he's talking about here, he's saying, if I can get them to become like Christ, all that other stuff will actually just follow. But what we're doing is we're trying to get the stuff first to work, to show that we're like Christ. And he's trying to get us like Christ so the stuff can follow. Does that make sense? So, so, so God is actually saying to us, he's saying, Tom, there's a, there's a power at work right now inside you for the purpose of becoming the fulfillment of this mystery, this Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that's very, very powerful. So the Holy Spirit then is, 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 is your, he's your momentum, he's your substance, he's the weight of your life and he's a direction for your life. But the Holy Spirit is limited because he can only do what you've deposited. Amen? So here's how it works. So the Holy Spirit is like, it's like, it's like a cup. You're the vessel. And the Holy Spirit comes into our lives when we get born again. But it doesn't necessarily mean that much momentum will take place in your life until you make some deposits. I know you know all of this stuff, but it's good to listen to it again. Until you make some deposits. So as soon as you make deposits in your life, the Holy Spirit then is activated to do something. Does this make sense? Just because you're born again doesn't mean anything really. It just means you'll go to heaven. But it doesn't mean you're going to accomplish much on earth. You could accomplish nothing. Amen? 
How many of you know you can be a tra- on, on a treadmill for two hours, sweating it out, but you're actually not going anywhere? <laughs> you're still in the gym, right? <laughs> but man, there's a lot of stuff happening, but you, you ain't going nowhere. It's just, you can go through the motions of being a Christian and not go anywhere, not get anything done. But the Holy Spirit then, the Holy Spirit will say, okay, let me take your prayer life and, and let me do that. Is, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let me take your word life. Let me take your meditation life. Let me take your worship life and let me work on that. Let me work on what you've deposited. But until you've deposited something, I can't work. Amen. But then he says, he says, but this power that is within you, this power that is within you has got such incredible potential. Amen. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that nothing happens or nothing just happens in life. Lady went to the bank. She had $200 deposited in the bank. She went to the bank and she said to the, the teller, can I check my balance? And the teller says, there's $200,000 here. She said, no, 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 there's only $200. She said, no, there's $200,000 here. She says, no, there's only $200,000 she no, in this account. And, and the lady says, how, to the teller, how did it get there? She says, I don't know how it got there. I just know that someone deposited it. In other words, it was put in. There was a transfer. Amen? The account would have stayed at two hundred until someone deposited, someone transferred. And that's exactly what we want to do this year. We want to be people who will transfer what God has given us so that we activate a whole new life in 2016. Reinhard Bonke is so well known for what he did, you know, in terms of his great evangelistic ministry, which he has. But many of you know that he spent 17 years in the, a little mountain kingdom, Lesotho, in Africa, surrounded, surrounded by South Africa. He spent 17 years there. No one ever knew who he was. What was he doing during that time? He was getting a rich deposit of God so that when God released him into his ministry, boom, it just happened. Jesus spent 30 years getting a deposit. Amen. Churches aren't just successful. There's forces of darkness that will buffer every church, large or small. It doesn't matter. Churches don't just become successful. And I want to do this to encourage all of you. For churches to be successful, there has got to be much deposited, not only, not only by the pastor or the leadership, but by the people who faithfully attend that church. So there's a collective deposit that is made in a church to actually make that church successful beyond the walls of the church. People come up and say, well, uh, you know, I, I feel I've got, I've got an anointing to, to just win souls. Wow, that's an incredible deposit. I've got an anointing to pray. That's an incredible deposit. The Holy Spirit can activate those giftings. I've, I feel a desire to go and pray for the sick in hospital. The Holy Spirit can activate that. So, so, so churches are not just successful because they exist. In fact, churches are the hardest place to have any degree of success unless there's a deposit and an activation of that deposit by the Holy Ghost. 
Thanks for your enthusiasm. Very quiet. You're meditating, right? So, 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 so there's got to be, there's got to be a, a willingness to grow the church by everybody. That's what the ecclesia is. The ecclesia is no spectators. Thank God we don't have any in our church. Okay, people just don't overcome sickness because it happens. People overcome sickness because they stand on the covenant promises of God. So, spiritual momentum is often things that you cannot see in the outside, but it's what's happening in the inside of a person. You should never judge anybody, you know, because sometimes people can blow it, but you don't know the workings of God that's going on in their lives. You know, we, we, we're often quick to, oh, well, look at that. He did that, therefore he's, he's backsliding. Well, you don't know what's going on. Usually, when, when someone does blow it, not that it gives us license to go and sin or blow it or be stupid, but when we do do it, hopefully, that person is in the process of being corrected by the Holy Spirit so that that doesn't happen again or it happens less and less and less and less and less. So we cannot judge Never got too much enthusiasm for that. But you know what I'm saying. We, we cannot judge what's going on in a person's life. So, what's been stored in your heart? Now, how does this, where does the spiritual momentum actually start in regards to prayer? Where does it actually come from? How does, how does people activate this so that they get results? It starts off, and everything actually starts off in this place. It's a lot simpler than what we think. Everything starts with heart preparation, with the, with the condition of the heart. Because the heart is the place of communion between man and God, not the mind. The heart. God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. Brought the sons. And he says, now look, you know, Jesse, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for someone else. Okay, there's one kid there. You know, he's in the sheep fields. Bring him, brought him, and he, and, he, and he says, he's the one. Because God says, I do not look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So the heart condition is actually the altar of communion between man and God. So the altar, the, the actual heart is the altar. Amen. So whatever is placed on the altar, i.e. the condition of the heart, God will activate, God will consume that fire, as it were, or consume that sacrifice. So the heart is a sacrificial area that is put on the altar of life, if I could put it like that. Amen? So God always looks at the condition of the heart. Yeah, maybe you've blown it, maybe you've done that, but God looks at the heart, He's always looking at the heart. Thank God for that. So Proverbs 16.1 says, The preparations of the heart belong to man. So God's saying through that, you've got to prepare your heart. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. God says, you prepare the heart, and I'll prepare the rest. I like that. You prepare the heart, and I'll prepare the rest. Amen? What does that mean? I know you've heard all of this before. Sorry if it's such a simple message, but I feel it's important, because I'm getting to some good stuff not right now. It is important, because we often try and do stuff, and God says, I'm dealing with the heart. I'm not dealing with the, 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 the stuff. I want to deal with the heart. Or we try and be busy for God, and God says, I want to deal with the heart. So the heart is important, because there's things inside the heart that God says, I've got to access those things before you can have a breakthrough. In Samadhi Level 2, I actually teach on this a lot. I teach on, on, on conditions that actually block us from worshipping God or, 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 for having, or from having freedom in God. 
I've never taught that actually here in, in this church. But there's a lot of areas there that actually block us. And, and you know, we, 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 we get opportunities. And sometimes there is moments of momentum where things happen naturally. You know, you get a breakthrough, you get, a, you get whatever, you get a, a good contact or you get a whatever, you know. There's, there's natural things that help us see God is good, you know. But at the end, the end of the day, God brings us back to this place where you'll say, I am good and I want to show you how good I am, but it could get a lot better. So can we deal with these areas? And all of us, including me, probably I'm the biggest, all of us have areas in our lives where we know, we know like we know like we know that God is dealing if we don't know, what it means is something's wrong. Because <laughs> none of us are perfect, right? Thank you for that enthusiasm. None of us are perfect. So, so there's areas in all of our lives, you know, and God doesn't do it to get on us, but He does it because He loves us so much. Amen? So there's, these, there's this whole, it's this, this whole ocean of God's love that is just trying to flood us, just trying to cover us. But in that, there is these areas where he's saying, you know, Tom, it could be so much better. There could be more breakthroughs if we can just deal with this. As a re- and that's what the devil hates. He hates it when you're prepared to address those issues that you don't like. Amen. But that's where your breakthrough lies. For the next phase of your life. So God always listens to the heart. It's interesting. I, I read this again. I, I hadn't, hadn't seen it quite before. But it says in uh, with Elisha, before, uh, the encounter at Mount Carmel. It says that Elisha, Elijah sorry, said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar so that the Lord, uh, of the Lord that was broken down. He, repla- he, he repaired the altar. The altar is likened to the heart. He repaired the heart before he operated in the power. So, if there's anything in your heart that is stopping God from getting to you, our prayers are hindered. You know, if if we hide stuff. Listen, God already knows your sin. God already knows where you're struggling. So there's no use hiding anything from God. Rather talk to God about the stuff that's bothering you. Amen? And why hide it? If you've got fear in your life, talk to God about it. If you've got any doubts, but especially fear, you get any fear in your life, talk to God about it. Not fear of the darkness. I'm talking about stuff in life. Fear that you're... See, this is all back to the character of God. Fear that God won't get you through, that you won't have enough money to pay your rent, or you won't have enough money to do this or that and the next thing. And there's, there's intrepidation there. There's fear in there. There's a doubt in there. Talk to God about it. He never gets tired listening to what bothers you. Amen? He never gets tired of that. He wants to talk. He doesn't want you to go, go to Him with all those shandala and speaking and, and, and praising and doing all kinds of stuff and not talking about the realities that's actually bothering you because what it means if we don't talk to God about these things we're basically saying God uh, I either I, I don't want you to know about this which he knows about in any case or I don't want to bother you which is pride or I don't think you can fix this which is, like, is doubt 
Amen. So talk to God about stuff. He wants to know. And all of us carry areas in our life where we're unsure, where we're fearful. We're fearful about the future. We're fearful about this. We're fearful about that. We have to talk to God about it. Otherwise, our prayers then don't really mean that much. So God keeps coming back to this whole area um, of the heart. Now, um, where then does this momentum come from in difficult times uh, when you need it most? How is it that you can dig up or dig out, as it were, stuff that you actually need in times of great need? Well, number one, the condition of the heart is important. The greatest example of this is, is the Apostle Paul. Um, I mean, Paul was flogged, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was thrown in prison. Um, I was researching this week, and there's probably, this is amazing, there's probably between five to six years of Paul's life where he was actually in prison. That's a long time. Five, five, they reckon five and a half to six years, and I read it in several commentaries. That's a long time. To be in prison. And so when he was in prison, you know the story in, in Philippi, Acts chapter 16. Let's just turn there quickly. Acts chapter 16. And uh, you know, I think you know the story here. In Acts chapter 16, you know, there, were, um, there was a fabrication made against them that there were, you know. And in fact, the whole thing started with prayer. They were going to go to prayer. Paul... Silas and the boys are going to go to the temple to pray. And this demon-possessed woman follows them and annoys them. And eventually, he rebukes her because she was, she was a, a fortune teller. She was getting money for the people and, and for her bosses. And, uh, and so, <clears throat> Paul rebukes her. She goes back and tells her bosses. The magistrate comes and basically fabricates a whole story that he's against the city, all this kind of stuff, and throws him in jail. Amen. And he throws him in jail there, and we're going to read from verse 25. It says, But at midnight, we're in Acts chapter 16, it says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Oh, hallelujah. I've taught you this before, but the prisoners were listening. It's a the, the word listening there in the, in the Greek is a very unusual word. It is, it is not normally used. The word means, the word, the word gives us a picture. They were listening, but they were, they were listening. What are these guys singing about? This is unusual. These guys should not be singing. So there was an unusual attentive, attentiveness to, these, to Paul and Silas singing. It's like, why are these guys singing? What's going on? In fact, one of the translations says that there was, there was um, other literal Greek says, they were listen, they're listening intently and with pleasure. In other words, wow, someone's hopeful here. Now remember, Paul and Silas were, were put in the inner prison. So you've got the prison, then you've got the inner prison. In other words, that was reserved for those that they were going to execute. There's no way you could get out of that prison. So here the two of them were in this prison at midnight. And it says that they were singing hymns and they were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening, listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. I can imagine, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, 
the guy who was in charge of the prison, if you don't know what you would call him, but he would, he would, he would be calling his, his, uh, his guards and saying to them, you know, give me an update on this guy, Paul. How's this guy Paul doing? And he must have said, you know, this guy Paul is just, he's crazy. We have a problem with Paul. The centurion must have said, well, what is the problem? Or the jail, the jail keeper, what is the problem with Paul? The problem with Paul is he's not like anybody else we've ever jailed. The problem with Paul is that he sings a lot. The guy doesn't stop singing. He seems to be happy. We've put him in prison, but he keeps singing. I'm, I'm going to get this message to you this morning. We've put him in prison, but he, 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 he stops singing. He doesn't go to the comfortable church to sing. He doesn't get the lights and the flashes. and the every, he, he actually sings in prison. The guy's happy. The jailkeeper must have said, why is the guy happy? You know? I mean, it's dark in there. It's dingy in there. It's damp in there. There's rats running, running all over the place. Why is the guy, shut him up. The jailer says, we can't. He just doesn't stop singing. He will not stop singing. He's happy. Is this a message for the church? He's happy. See, sometimes we we have to see the contrast of what the Bible says and where we are. This is a wake-up call. You know, we do everything, not in this church, we do everything to get people to sing. And then they don't sing. Not you. But people, you, you do everything to try and stir them up. Give them comfortable seats. Give them lights. Give them the piano. Give them, you know, you, you, you do everything you can to try and get bagpipes if that really it helps. You'll, you'll do anything to try and get, and they sit there. Not you. I'm just talking. I'm making this up. Relax. They'll sit there. Don't want to sing. Come on. You're not even in jail. You're luxury. There's no rats. You're free. You get on nice clothes. You smell good. Everything's good. Person next to you loves you. The rent's paid. Why can't you sing? See, a lack of singing. Oh, no, I don't want to go there. But it's, so, 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 so the, 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 the jailkeeper says, is there anything else you want to tell me about this guy? He says, well, he actually talks a lot. He talks? What do you mean he talks? Well, he talks in a funny language. What kind of language? He says, nobody knows what it is. And here's the worst part about it. This is the guy telling the jail, the jail keeper. He says, he, he, he talks in a funny language and he's talking to somebody. So the jail keeper says, go find out who he's talking to. So he goes back and he said to Paul, you know, who, who are you talking to? So he says, I'm talking to God. So he goes back and he says, he's talking to God. So the guy sings and he talks to God. It's not even Sunday morning. <laughs> Amen. And he says, he's, the, the, the other thing is that's really strange about this guy is he, he gets visitors. <laughs> Jailkeeper says, visitors? Thought I told you, kind of any visitors. Yeah, he has visitors. Who, who, who's his visitors? He says, well, don't know how to break this to you, but it's angels. <laughs> These angels come in and just visit him. Jealous, isn't it? Double, double the guard, you know. We have to make sure. That, he says, but there's some, some more stuff I've got to tell you, man. It's getting worse and steady better. He writes a lot. In fact, I can't keep him going with parchment, paper, and ink. 
He keeps writing. I don't know what he's writing, but he's writing a lot. He doesn't stop writing. So he's singing. He's talking in an unknown language. He gets visitors. And the guy's writing all the time. He says, sounds like he's in, he thinks he's in holiday. He says, but it gets worse than that. He says, it really gets worse than that. He says, he's got a lot of friends on the outside. Because he's sending these letters. And the word goes that he's sending them to hundreds of people, man. It's all over the place. So he's, he's actually, it sounds like he's enjoying this. You might ask, how come? Because there was something in the inside. There was a huge deposit on the inside that would not stop him from doing all that stuff. He had deposited so much. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament in prison. Two-thirds. Two-thirds. He didn't write it in a fancy office. Didn't write it when he was in Bible school. He wasn't at the seaside resort when he wrote it. He was in prison. Can you imagine how difficult it was to write in prison? Diminishing light. Not much light probably. The damp. Yeah, he was in house prison for two years as well. But the rest of the time he was actually in prison. And there he is writing all this stuff. So the jailer said to him, is there anything else you need to tell me? He says, yeah, there's one thing I need to tell you. He says that this is the worst of all of it. He says, it's been known that when he prays and sings, because he does does both at the same time, when he prays and sings, he can cause earthquakes to happen. Are you getting a picture here? We're so far removed from the reality of the Bible at times. He says, earthquakes? That's crazy. How does he do it? How does one guy in that condition, do all of that. He says, because in the inside, in the inside, he's deposited so much. Oh, hallelujah. You cannot stop this guy. You cannot stop him. It doesn't matter how many chains, it doesn't matter how many guards we put on here, it doesn't matter. You cannot stop this guy. Amen? See, when you deposit... You're ready to be unstoppable. This year can be an unstoppable year for you. If you deposit stuff afresh like you've never deposited before. Amen? You don't need deliverance. You are the deliverer. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean that we don't need help. We all need help at times. But you've got to see yourself as a deliverer. And here's what's incredible about the rest of the story. In the rest of the story, we can read it. In verse 27, we're at Acts 16. It says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking from his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because that was the law. If you were in charge of prisoners like that, and they escaped, you would die. So he's ready to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm. For we are all here. This is an incredible uh, little couple. We are all here. In other words, the, the doors were flung open, the chains were loose, but none of them ran away. This is amazing. 
Because Paul knew that he was in control. So he did not run away. He actually started ministering to the jailer in his house. Because it goes on there and it says, Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. So it was dark. So he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then he spoke the word of the Lord to him and, and all who were in his house. And he, and, and he took the same hour of the night and washed the stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now he brought them into his house and he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. And if you go on and read the rest of that, you see that Paul actually didn't want to leave. This is incredible. In fact, it, it turned around so much that the Romans, he says, get rid of this guy. And he says, I'm not leaving. I'm in control here. Oh, hallelujah. See, the devil will try and push you around until you say, I am not leaving. I'm in control here. Amen? I'm in control here. Does that sound arrogant? No, that's just exactly right. God says, I've given you words and wisdom that the, the enemy will not be able to contradict. He can't resist this stuff. I've given you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Don't be pushed around. This is no time to be pushed around. You might say, isn't that arrogant, Pastor Tom? No, I want to say that over again. It's not arrogant. It is your right in Christ. There's a covenant that God has cut by blood for you. And part of that covenant says, you have power and authority over the enemy. You got that power. You're not going to be intimidated this year. You're not going to be frightened this year, scared this year. You're going to stand strong and say, enough is enough. This is where I belong. This is who I am. The devil will try and get you to believe that you don't know who you are. You are powerful. You're a child of the living God. You're full of the Spirit of Almighty God. So I want to leave this thought with you. Do not be intimidated this year. I want you to walk through this year and not be intimidated. To, 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 to ward off, I don't know if that's the right word, but to shake off every chain, every fear, every doubt. That is not your portion. And to move into the things of the Spirit. That is your portion. But we have to get to know the character of God, that God is there, that God loves us so much. God wants us to succeed. He wants you to, to succeed and prosper, to build the kingdom. So I'll finish with this little thought. Here's how it works. It's simple and yet profound. When we think about getting broken free for healing, for deliverance, for prosperity, into prosperity, whatever it is, any of those areas, here's the key. The key to it is, in fact, I met the Anglican pastor this week and he was running and, uh, and uh, he said to me, Tom, he saw me from a distance. He says, you're also getting fit. I said, yeah, man. And he says, I was, I was impressed. He says, I'm running so that I can be fit to do what God wants me to do. And I said, that's exactly what I do. I do those steps not because I'm trying to show that I'm buff. Those days are gone. I'm, I'm doing it because I want to be fit for the king and his kingdom. Come on now, help me here, somebody. 
So all your thinking, all your, oh, you want to be wealthy, you want to break through financially, you want to break through with your art, you, whatever it is. Why are you doing that? What is the motivation? Yeah. It has to be for the king and his kingdom. If you diminish it, anything less than that, you will fail. You may have a measure of success, but you will actually fail. So we have to think about the time we're living in. This is an exciting time, time for the king and his king. We live, you live, you live for the king. You live for the kingdom. The rest is peripheral stuff. Don't get me wrong, God wants to bless you, He wants to heal you, He wants to set you free. And you will get all of that. But it's to build the kingdom. It's to build the kingdom. There's a kingdom to be built out there right now. And God has chosen you to build that kingdom. Amen. He can do things way beyond your wildest dreams, imaginations, to fulfill what He's planned in your life. What has He planned? He's planned that you become more like Jesus, number one. That's it. Become more like Jesus. Maybe that should be our prayer every morning. Today I want to become more like Jesus. You know, that would keep us in check. If that was our prayer every morning, that would lead you and guide you. Today I want to be more like Jesus. Then you can think about the acts of Jesus. Then I would like to do like Jesus did. Yes. But we don't get it the wrong way wrong. We get it in line. Thank you, Jesus. Simple truth is this, that he cannot keep you down. The devil's a liar. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. So what do you do in those moments when you're feeling... Maybe a little down, you're feeling a little tired, you're feeling a little whatever. You start to sing. You start to sing and pray. Anybody who feels they need prayer this morning, doesn't matter what it's for, if it's for healing or, or if you just need to be encouraged. I'm just going to lay hands on you. We're going to do it quite quickly. I just feel that's what the Spirit wants to do. So I want you to come out right now. And I'm just going to pray for you this morning. If you, if you need any kind of prayer this morning. And I want us just to, I know sometimes we release the congregation, but this is going to happen quick. So I want you just to stay with me and just agree with me for those that we're going to pray for this morning. So just come out right now if you need prayer for anything this morning. Maybe you felt discouraged. Maybe you felt that you've blown it. Maybe you felt whatever. Maybe you felt you need to make a fresh start this morning for this year. Whatever it may be, we're going to pray for you this morning just come to the front just just come there yeah that's that's good thank you jesus i know i know some of you probably feeling a bit discouraged maybe you're feeling you've let god down or whatever or you haven't pressed in as you should have or whatever's going on i know there's things going on that needs prayer this morning maybe you need healing in your body whatever it is as i lay hands on you this morning i'm, I'm really trusting god for a breakthrough in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Sorry, Barbara. 
Um, listen to me this morning. Just keep this on, guys. Don't, don't switch it off. Um, as I lay hands gently on you this morning, I really feel there's going to be such a powerful, powerful anointing to release you and encourage you and set you free, whatever it is. The enemy is a liar. What he said to you is a lie from the pit of hell. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen in Jesus' mighty name. It will not happen. Now, I want you to say that this morning. It will not happen. Anything you've been thinking about, meditating on, I declare this morning, it will not happen. This morning, we reverse that, that curse. We reverse it in Jesus' name, and we speak blessing and breakthrough over your lives, your circumstances, in every area, in Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to go quick with this, so you guys just be ready there. You know, um, this week when I was just preparing the sermon, um, a thought came to me of uh, the beginning in the year and, you know, the Genesis. Genesis is something is important. And, and I've, I really felt, felt the Lord just reminding me that it was important to address some issues in our lives at the beginning of the year because the enemy will usually come at the Genesis of something and try and put you off track, try and discourage you. The beginning of every year... I think is, is, is can be like that because as you four of the new year and the bells ringing and everything and the fireworks and and then we we think afresh about how this year wants to be and the new things we want to change and stuff and then the enemy will come and actually lie to you you can't do this you'll never have breakthrough you'll it'll just be the same as last year so we're not going to take that we are not going to have that. That this year is going to be a wonderful year in Christ. And we bind every demonic thought that has come to us to discourage us. Amen. We take a th- right now. We take a just put your hand on your head right now. We take authority over any of those demonic thoughts that we're trying to discourage us, that we're trying to make us fearful right now, we cast them out in Jesus' name. We cast them out right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just one thing before we go, two things. Is there anybody um, here this morning that's had a double vision? You've been seeing, you've had kind of double vision? Just put your hand up if there's anybody here like that. I thought I got that word earlier. Okay, I'm just going to come and lay hands on you there then. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Well, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is, we rebuke it right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that which you've revealed is, is darkness and you bring light into it. Father, I thank you for healing right now in Rosaria's body. Father, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give God praise and glory and honor. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we don't know how to stop meetings like this where you're, you're, just, you're just so present. You're so evident. Your presence, Lord, is just here. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for encouraging all of us this morning. Just share with this last little testimony. When I was with Kim... I don't, I don't think Maria will mind telling me. 
just the week before I left to go over there, um, she came up with an envelope. She said, um, this is for Kim. So I took the envelope and she said, I can even look at it. I took the envelope and I gave it to them. And I said, this is from a lady in my congregation who was recently made a widow. And she wants to offer a gift to Kim's ministry. And I didn't think any, any more about it. I just gave it to, to them. And, and um, so it happens that, I don't know if it was the one I was on, it was another one. But they actually got up in, I think it was the Christmas one, which they, I'd recorded, but I had left already. And they said that this gift was given from Australia from a recently widowed woman. And it wasn't the amount that was in there. It was the fact that she did it. That really touched a lot of people's... I mean, on that program I did, there was 33,400 hits. So there could, could have been up to sixty to 100,000 people watching that. It wasn't a big, big deal, the amount. But it was the heart that did it. Isn't that incredible? So, Maria, I just want to—I just want to let you know that you probably, you know, that act—that act that you did probably touched thousands, tens of thousands of people's lives. So we praise God for that. You don't know what that's going to bring back to you—that seed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your spirit, Lord. We don't really want to stop this morning, Lord, but we will. We will stop. And Father, we go with this lingering presence, this wonderful anointing that there is this morning. This has been another podcast from Sydney Life Church. For more teaching and resources, please head to our website, sydneylifechurch.com.